The following is from the April 17, 2021 conference, End U.S. Support for Israeli Apartheid. All conference information is available at www.israelapartheidcon.org. Our next speaker is John Dugard. He is a South African professor of international law and an outspoken critic of apartheid. The son of a headmaster at a missionary school attended by Nelson Mandela, he earned law degrees from Stellenbosch and Cambridge universities. From 1978 to 1990, he was director of the University of Witwatersrand's Center for Applied Legal Studies, which seeks to promote human rights in South Africa. And he was professor of international law at the University of Leiden from 1998 to 2006. In 1997, John became a member of the UN's International Law Commission, and he served as judge ad hoc on the International Court of Justice for nearly two decades, from 2000 to 2018. From 2001 to 2008, he was the UN Human Rights Council's Special Rapporteur on Human Rights in the Palestinian Territories. He has written several books on apartheid, human rights, and international law, and his memoir, Confronting Apartheid, A Personal History of South Africa, Namibia, and Palestine, was published in 2018. Today, John Dugard will discuss what accounts for the international community's disparity in its treatment of South Africa and Israel for applying substantially similar policies. He joins us from The Hague, and we are very happy to welcome him today. Um, yes, uh, thank you very much for uh, inviting me to participate in this uh, meeting this afternoon. I'm going to uh, be talking about a number of issues. I'd like to address four questions in particular. First of all, the question, which was worse, South African apartheid or uh, Israeli apartheid? Secondly, what has been the international response to the two forms of apartheid? Uh, thirdly, why the disparity between the two responses? Uh, fourthly, what might be the solution? And fifthly, I'd like to end by making a few comments about uh, relations between South Africa and uh, Israel today and the attitude of people within South Africa towards Palestine and Israel. First of all, let me deal with the question, which... Uh, is or was the worst system, South African apartheid or uh, Israeli uh, apartheid. Uh, both South Africa and Israel have uh, uh, pursued a uh, policy of uh, race discrimination and political uh, repression, which falls within the definition of uh, apartheid contained in the Rome Statute of the uh, International Criminal Court. Susan has uh, shown convincingly, I think, that uh, Israeli apartheid is in many respects worse. One of the interesting uh, differences between the two systems is that the South African system of uh, apartheid was completely transparent. The uh, government was open in its legislative measures to uh, promote uh, race discrimination and political repression. Everything was very clear on the statute book. Whereas in the case of uh, Israel, many of the uh, laws that 
discriminate against Palestinians are contained in uh, obscure military decrees, often in Hebrew only, and are completely inaccessible uh, to uh, Palestinians. Uh, I think the whole the difference is illustrated by the following anecdote. A former Israeli uh, Minister of Education, Shulamit Aloni, uh, once came across a situation in which uh, a Palestinian man had been apprehended by uh, a member of the IDF for driving on a road reserved for uh, Israelis only. I might mention that in South Africa, apartheid South Africa, there were no separate roads for the different racial groups. This is an Israeli uh, innovation. In any event, the uh, IDF uh, officer had arrested the Palestinian and was about to confiscate uh, his uh, vehicle when Shulamit Aloni uh, intervened and said to the officer, uh, how do you expect the uh, Palestinian man to know that the road is reserved for uh, Israeli drivers only? There's no notice saying this road is reserved for uh, Israelis only. Uh, whereupon the uh, officer said, what do you expect us to do? To put up a notice saying this road is reserved for uh, Israelis only, and then everyone will think that we are an apartheid state like South Africa. And I think that illustrates the determination on the part of the Israeli authorities to conceal the extent to which they do practice uh, apartheid. Susan has shown convincingly this afternoon, I believe, that uh, in many respects, apartheid in Israel is worse than it was uh, in uh, South Africa. And I share that view. I'd just like to mention two examples. First of all, there are the successive attacks that Israel has launched against civilian targets uh, in Gaza over the years, which have resulted in the killing of thousands of Palestinians. This was never done by the South African uh, security forces. And then there's the way in which uh, Israel has destroyed uh, Palestinian homes, uh, sometimes with the explanation that this is an administrative matter, that the Palestinian has not obtained a permit to construct the house, whereas we all know that permits are not forthcoming. And sometimes uh, the houses are destroyed as a punishment for participating in crimes against the Israeli authorities. But in any event, these are simply two examples of um, cases in which the uh, Israeli apartheid is much more severe than ever apartheid in South Africa was. I think it's very interesting to look at the attitude of uh, Israelis, Israeli officials in particular, towards the allegation that uh, it practices apartheid, particularly in the occupied Palestinian territory, the OPT. Uh, for over 20 years, serious allegations have been made that Israel practices uh, apartheid in the uh, OPT. These allegations have been made by uh, NGOs, by scholars, by politicians, and uh, also by the UN 
Committee on the uh, Elimination of All Forms of uh, Racial uh, Discrimination. I should mention that at present, the uh, International Criminal Court is considering the question of whether uh, Israel has committed the uh, crime of apartheid. This is one of the uh, uh, crimes that uh, the uh, court uh, will be uh, investigating. In my mind, I have no uh, hesitation uh, in saying that uh, Israeli apartheid falls squarely within the definition of apartheid in the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. I think in, in these circumstances, one might have expected a detailed refutation from uh, the Israeli government and from uh, Israeli uh, collaborators, particularly Western states. One would have expected a refutation which uh, spelt out in detail why Israeli uh, apartheid was not or is not uh, a form of apartheid that falls within the definition of the Rome Statute. But strangely enough, no such reputation has been forthcoming. Uh, Israel has raised all sorts of uh, defenses. Mainly it is argued that the allegation that uh, Israel commits the crime of apartheid is uh, anti-Semitic, but it's also argued on occasion that this is one of the rights of the occupying power or that Israel acts uh, in self-defense. But the Israeli government and its collaborators, including the United States government, have consistently failed to answer the charge that Israel practices apartheid uh, in the occupied Palestinian territory. Uh, So I think it's very clear to say that the failure of the Israeli government to provide such a reputation uh, constitutes an acknowledgement of the fact that it does apply apartheid Uh, and uh, it is not going to uh, deny it, although it is not going to be transparent about it, as the South African authorities were. I I think it's important to uh, look at the broader context of the uh, occupation uh, of Palestine. Apartheid is an important crime, but Israel has also committed a number of other important international crimes or wrongs which make it a special case, which go beyond the uh, charge against South Africa during the apartheid uh, period. First of all, there's the question of settlements. We all know that uh, Israel has some 700,000 Jewish settlers in the West Bank and East Jerusalem in over 150 uh, settlements. Everyone knows this, uh, but we also know that it is a war crime in terms of the uh, Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. Then there's the unlawful annexation of uh, Jerusalem. We all know that the annexation of another state's territory is a gross violation of international law. Look at the way in which the West has complained about Russia's uh, annexation of the Crimea. 
but Israel has annexed East Jerusalem and the West hardly takes any notice of this. Then there is the question of UN fact-finding missions. There were no UN fact-finding missions uh, on uh, apartheid in South Africa, but in the case of Israel, we've had four UN fact-finding missions which have dealt with attacks on civilians, mainly uh, in Gaza, and they all found that uh, Israel was guilty of deliberately targeting civilians uh, in uh, the Palestinian territory. Then there's the International Court of Justice. The International Court of Justice has given an advisory opinion in which it has found that Israel is constructing a war within Palestinian territory with the aim of annexing more Palestinian territory. The International Court of Justice never pronounced upon apartheid in South Africa, although it did in respect of apartheid in Namibia. And then finally, there's the question of a violation of international human rights conventions. Israel is a party to most of the major uh, international human rights conventions. No doubt it uh, signed and ratified these conventions because it wished to uh, indicate to the world that it was a decent law-abiding state which respected human rights. But Israel has been uh, condemned by the international monitoring bodies of all these conventions, the conventions which uh, provide for respect for civil and political rights, for racial equality, uh, which prohibit torture, and which provide for economic, social, and cultural rights. The monitoring bodies of all these uh, conventions uh, have held that uh, Israel is in violation of its uh, obligations. Finally, I think it's important to stress, and Susan did uh, allude to this in some respects, is that the South African government during the apartheid era did do good works for the black people of South Africa, did provide for educational facilities and provided for their general welfare. So we found the apartheid authorities establishing schools for black children, universities, hospitals, clinics, and establishing industrial sites in order to uh, promote development. The Israeli authorities do nothing of this kind for the Palestinian people, although they are obliged to do so in terms of the fourth Geneva Convention. The Israeli authorities simply leave it to the international donor community uh, to uh, provide for the welfare of the Palestinian people. So if one looks at the situation as a whole, if one looks at the way in which Israel applies a policy of apartheid in the occupied Palestinian territory, together with these other crimes or wrongs that I have mentioned, there is no doubt that Israel's transgressions, its violations of international law, far exceed those of 
apartheid South Africa. That's the first question. My second question is, what has been the international response? South Africa was sanctioned and punished by the international community for practicing uh, apartheid. Uh, The United Nations Security Council and General Assembly imposed a mandatory arms embargo on uh, South Africa and recommended a host of sanctions, economic, banking, financial, sporting, cultural, uh, travel, you name it. Virtually every aspect of life in South Africa was subject to some form of uh, sanction. And it's important to stress that the Western states responded positively to these recommendations and then introduced sanctions measures themselves. And this included not only the Western European states, but also the United States, which in 1986 uh, passed the uh, Comprehensive Anti-Apartheid Act designed to uh, compel South Africa to abandon the policy of apartheid. But there is no such response in respect of uh, Israeli apartheid. There is no response of this kind to Israel's crimes or wrongdoings. Uh, We do have resolutions from the General Assembly condemning aspects of uh, Israel's policies in respect uh, of Palestine. But we have no resolution from the Security Council or the General Assembly calling for an arms embargo, which is absolutely necessary. Uh, The Security Council is completely silent, and even the General Assembly does not uh, pass resolutions imposing or recommending sanctions uh, against uh, Israel in respect of uh, its uh, policies. The EU, the European Union, has uh, adopted measures which uh, prevent or which are designed to prevent the sale of products from Israeli settlements uh, in Europe. This is a very half-hearted attempt to uh, sanction uh, Israel and to make matters worse, these measures are not vigorously enforced. So there's a great disparity in the measures taken by the international community in respect of apartheid, South Africa, and in respect of Israel, where, in effect, there are no sanctions whatsoever. My third question is, why this disparity? Well, I think the first reason should be very clear to an American audience, and that is because the United States treats Israel as if it were uh, a state of the United States. Uh, The relationship between Israel and the United States is so close that Israel can rest assured that it will be protected by the United States against any attempt to impose sanctions upon it. The United States controls the Security Council and the Quartet, which is responsible for uh, policy making in respect of the Middle East. And 
the American veto has been used generously in order to prevent any uh, action being taken. And one must bear in mind that uh, uh, the American support for Israel is uh, infectious. States which want aid from the United States or some favor will embark upon policies in order to uh, win favor with the United States. The most recent demeaning example of such a groveling, international groveling, is provided by the decision of Boris Johnson of the United Kingdom to uh, oppose the International Criminal Court's investigation of Israel's war crimes uh, in Palestine. Uh, he has echoed the statement of uh, Anthony Blinken in this respect by saying that the United Kingdom will uh, oppose the investigation of war crimes committed by Israel. Uh, another example is the way in which a number of states have uh, decided to remove their uh, embassies from Tel Aviv to uh, Jerusalem, uh, following the example of the United States. So simply an attempt to win favor with the United States. So that's the first reason for the fact that no real action is taken against Israel. Then, of course, there are lobbies in the United States. You have IPAC and other lobbies, but virtually every other Western country has an Israeli lobby, which is highly effective in uh, ensuring that action will not be taken uh, against Israel. Another factor is that of uh, Holocaust guilt. The United States and many European states rightly wish to atone for their failure to protect Jews against the Nazis during the Second World War. But there's no reason why this atonement should be done at the expense of the Palestinians. But nevertheless, that is what happens uh, in practice. And finally, there's the question of uh, anti-Semitism. The State of Israel and its collaborators, including the United States and many Western European states, have redefined anti-Semitism to include criticism of the policies of the state of uh, uh, Israel. Uh, the definition provided by the uh, International Holocaust Museum, International Holocaust Remembrance uh, Alliance uh, clearly allows uh, anti-Semitism to be uh, applied to criticism of the uh, state of Israel. Uh, one does hope that the recent uh, Jerusalem declaration by a number of distinguished uh, Jewish scholars throughout the world will have some impact and will undermine the uh, definition provided by the uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, but I, I fear not. I think we must accept that the label of anti-Semitism can be very, very powerful. It can put an end to a career or ensure that the person is no longer socially 
accepted. So in these circumstances, most people find that silence is the safer option. I think it's important to stress that in many states today, public opinion polls show that the majority of the population supports the Palestinian cause, or at least takes the view that Israel has violated human rights in respect of the Palestinian people. But the leaders of these states refuse to take note of their own public opinion. And I think the reason is simply that individual leaders realize that if they do support action against Israel, they will be labeled as anti-Semites, and that will be the end of their careers. My fourth question uh, can be dealt with very briefly, although it is a big question, and that is how to uh, end Israeli apartheid. It's important to stress that Israeli apartheid is closely linked to the occupation. It's a product of the occupation. So the first step is to put an end to the uh, occupation. I don't think one can expect the United Nations to do anything because of the uh, U.S. Uh, veto. Uh, and I don't think one can expect much of the Europeans either because the Europeans, as I have shown, tend to follow their leader and they will not step out of line with the United States. These are over the... Uh, question of the International Criminal Court, which I believe offers some hope. Uh, certainly the decision of the uh, International Criminal Court to, to exercise jurisdiction over crimes committed uh, in the Palestinian territory and its most recent decision to initiate investigations into such crimes does serve to legitimize, to delegitimize rather, uh, Israeli uh, policies. And one sees the importance of this delegitimation when one examines the response of the Israeli authorities to these decisions on the part of the uh, uh, court to uh, embark upon an investigation. Um, there's a question of civil society and the BDS movement. I think civil society is tremendously important in putting an end to uh, apartheid and to human rights violations in the occupied Palestinian territory. Uh, my impression is that civil society is a bit more active in the United States than it is uh, in Western Europe. It's interesting to compare the vigorous protests of uh, students and public opinion at large in the, uh, among European states in respect of apartheid in South Africa. One doesn't see any protest of this kind in respect of uh, apartheid uh, in Israel. And if you ask me why this is, I think the reason is clear, and that is that people are afraid of being labeled as anti-Semitic. Uh, during the apartheid era in South Africa, no one suffered from engaging in a protest against the 
South African authorities, whereas if one engages in any protest or raises one's voice against Israeli apartheid, one runs the risk of being labelled as anti-Semitic. Am I optimistic about the future? I suppose there is multiple, there are so many good reasons to be pessimistic, but I used to be terribly pessimistic about the situation in South Africa. I always believed that the civil war was inevitable. But then sanity prevailed, wise men came to their senses, and a miracle occurred. In South Africa, apartheid was abandoned and we got a constitutional democracy instead. So all I can say is that uh, Palestine is the land of miracles, and one hopes that a similar miracle will occur. Let me begin by just making a few comments about South Africa uh, today and uh, Israel. During the apartheid era, relations between South Africa and uh, Israel were extremely close. They even collaborated on the uh, construction of nuclear weapons. Uh, But, of course, this relationship came to an end uh, with the end of apartheid when uh, Nelson Mandela declared that our freedom is incomplete with the freedom of the Palestinians. Uh, Today, South Africa recognizes the state of Palestine and their close relations between the state of Palestine and the uh, South African government. Uh, Let me just tell you about an interesting incident which has occurred in South Africa very recently. The uh, Chief Justice of uh, South Africa, Mokeng Mokeng, who is a black evangelical, was persuaded to uh, participate in a webinar with the uh, chief rabbi of South Africa, Warren Goldstein, a webinar organized by the Jerusalem Post. Uh, In this webinar, the chief justice uh, criticized the South African government for supporting the Palestinian cause and being critical of Israel. Uh, The Chief Justice has been subjected to uh, disciplinary action by a judicial service uh, committee uh, and has been asked to apologise. He has yet to apologise. But I think this illustrates that uh, in South Africa, as in the United States, uh, evangelicals tend to uh, support uh, uh, Israeli apartheid, evangelicals, whether they are black or white. When it comes to the South African community as a whole, it's clear that the majority of the population supports uh, Palestine. The ruling African National Congress is vigorously opposed to uh, Israeli uh, policies and uh, supports Palestine. The BDS movement is very strong uh, in South Africa. Um, When it comes to the white community, there is no doubt that there is more support for the uh, 
Israeli cause amongst the white community than the black community. Finally, on the subject of the Jewish community, the South African Jewish community has shrunk considerably. In the 1970s, it numbered about 120,000. Today, it numbers about 52,000. Uh, the uh, majority of the Jewish community in South Africa probably supports uh, Israel through thick and thin. Uh, this was apparently in the response of uh, Jewish leadership towards the uh, Goldstone report, the report of the South African Richard Goldstone on Operation Cast Lead. Uh, Goldstone was personally vilified and accused of uh, promoting a modern-day blood libel, and he was accused of uh, denied justice completely in respect of uh, Israel. But it must be noted that uh, Goldstone was vigorously defended by the Chief Justice at that time. And Chief Justice was Arthur Chastelson, a South African Jew. And many leaders in the South African Jewish community did support uh, Richard uh, Goldstone. And, and today one finds that uh, the South African Jewish community is as divided as is that of the United States Jewish community. There are the majority of white South Africans probably support Israel, but there are important figures involved and engaged in opposition to uh, apartheid. Certainly the most vigorous and outspoken critic of uh, Israel in, in South Africa is Ronnie Casrell, the former cabinet minister, and uh, Ronnie Casrell uh, is a Jew. So I repeat, as in the case of the United States, one cannot uh, say that the Jewish community supports Israel completely. The community is uh, divided on the subject, as it is in most European countries as well. Thank you so much, John. I think we're running out of time, but it's fascinating to hear a South African perspective. Thank you so much.